Hi everyone, it's Dr. Amanda here. And Dr. Nelson Mott. Uh, and welcome to Count Me In, a weekly podcast that provides an accounting perspective on business news from Australia and around the world. Welcome. It is, uh, let me check the date. I think it's a Wednesday. Wednesday, yep. Wednesday, the 10th of October, 2018, and we're on episode number three. Yay us. Thank you to the people who listened in last week. Um, And we've got some interesting stories today. The first one I'm going to start with is our key indicators, and gold is up. Mm. So it's up in value. That means... And it's more than just a little bit. We've definitely seen a a definite increase in the price of gold. People are definitely starting to get a little bit nervous. And this is also reflected in the decrease in our Australian dollar. So it's still low and there are still lots of concerns. So, Nelson, what did the RBA decide last week on the Tuesday about rates for the cash rate for interest rates? Yes, the RBA left the rate unchanged, which was a surprise because the rate has been sitting at, was it 1.5% mm-hmm. for a number of months now. And yeah, we, most pundits were expecting a rate rise, especially since, you know, the, the property markets, you know, it's starting it's, to cool it's down, starting a to cool down a little and... We're seeing um, fixed rates from banks also start to increase. So usually increase the well, fixed yeah. rate will start to move... They're trying to predict what's going to happen. So ahead of an official rate rise, quite often you'll see interest rates, fixed rates that banks offer on loans starting to go up. What's happening in oil? Oil. So oil is up again. So it's jumped since last week another roughly $3 per barrel. So we're up at $88.57. So last week it was about 86. Definitely expect to see more at the petrol pump. Petrol prices are going up, up and up. Not a good time lucky to drive. You don't, lucky you don't drive a car very fast. Well, I, ha- I have a car. That's the problem. It's like I, I feel like I should drive it <laughs> because I have it and I pay rent. Well, I pay rent to have it there. But I... Well, it's opportunity so cost, right? Can't the afford- fixed cost of the car is already paid for. I know it's, it's sunk, but you know, psychologically, I mean, petrol is your variable psych- cost. Psychologically, it's there. So I feel like I should be driving around places. So yeah, so not a good time to be driving. Oil prices are up, and they continue to go up. So well, my you- recommendation: if you're buying a car, buy a diesel. Diesel prices yeah. tend to fluctuate a lot less than petrol. Pretty stable prices, and you know, most industry trucks, etc., run on diesel. Yeah, yeah. So that's I, I drive a diesel, and um, we're seeing a little less. And I'm lucky enough to live right next door to a Costco petrol, so our oh, petrol okay. that works out well. Plenty cheap. So, yeah, um, or, or electric. Or electric. Uh, everyone, yeah, I, I saw an analysis on uh, news.com.au and they were talking about the costs of running an electric car versus a, a, a luxury sort of petrol car. And it seems like, although the cost is pretty similar um, to the in terms of purchase price, the yearly running costs are a lot lower wow. for an uh, electric car. Ooh. Well, so if they can build a four-wheel drive that's an electric car... That, my yeah. husband has always said, you know, we uh, have a Subaru Outback. We like to go camping, that sort of thing. Mm. So for us, we need the, the torque of a diesel engine. But the, he's keen to see an electric car yeah, in our future. I think, you know, once that sort of ch- those charging points become a bit more common, it becomes more reasonable. Mm. Yeah. And the thing with oil as well is that it's diff- the companies or the countries that produce the oil are the ones who control the supply and demand. 
So OPEC, which is the countries that do most of the world's oil production, can increase the amount of barrels that they produce to bring down the price. They can cut the amount of barrels that they're pumping out of the ground to increase the price. So we're really at their mercy. And I think... You know, all of this investment in renewable energies yeah. and there's been lots of talk yeah. about the Tesla battery in South Australia. Yeah. And whether that's, you know, it's the world's biggest battery. Yeah. Apparently it's you know built on time, under budget. Yeah. Quite a, a, an interesting case there in South Australia that the need for renewables I think is really important and we yep. can't rely on existing <laughs> fossil fuels. Absolutely. Um, and that's something even, you know, my five year old has talked about. <laughs> How many dinosaurs are left to make fossil fuels? Like, well, that's a difficult question. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, so the Australian dollar is is dropped again. So it's dropped another cent or so. And so one Australian dollar buys about 71.113 US. Not good for online shopping. Yeah, US cents. Yeah. Good for exporters. But <coughs> there's the potential there that if the market is stable, people are either taking their money out this is on, on a larger scale to invest somewhere that yeah. would be more secure yeah where would you think would be better than here well anyway obviously there's... we have a lot of prime ministers <laughs> yeah there's but we've got a, a reasonable economy well here's the thing right it's not um i guess there are two factors that weigh into this the, the australian us dollar is based on one the demand for australian dollars and on the other end it's demand for us dollars so at this point the australian dollar there isn't a great demand for it because as an investment hub, Australian the the cash rate is so low that it sort of deters investment. Mm-hmm. So obviously you want to invest in a project that has the highest rate of return. Yeah. But in Australia, obviously with the low cash rate, interest rates tend to stay a bit lower, mm-hmm. investment returns tend to be a bit lower. Mm-hmm. So we can so there is less investment that's desirable in Australia because of the low rate. Um, on the other end, the Australian the US dollar, there's a bit more a bit more demand for. I think there is it tends to be the safest currency people would say mm-hmm. when there when there is uncertainty yep when you yeah because most investors are based in the US so when, even with Trump yeah even with Trump they whenever they're worried about things going sort of uh, pear shaped they they either, they invest in gold for one and they move their currency back into oh, back I didn't into know the that. US dollars yeah. so one thing i noticed oh, this is like years ago <clears> when i traveled through Kenya and Tanzania and different parts of Africa is that you always had to have US dollars. So there's no point in bringing Australian dollars. Yep. And there were no ATMs you know, yep. 15 years ago. Yep. Um, so you had to bring US dollars to change. Yep. And I know that that's the case in a lot of parts of Southeast Asia. You'll get really great rates for US dollars. So it yep. seems to be still that currency of choice. Yes, and yes. the market, if we uh, look at the Australian Financial Review and the All Ordinaries Index down 120 points 120 points and think we saw an article in the Australian Financial Review where they wiped 42.5 billion dollars off the stock exchange in one day yeah so it's 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 getting it's getting a bit bad now so again it's it seems as Australia isn't the best investment hub comparative to other countries so in the US for instance US Treasury yields so basically the bonds that 3.25 percent that's a that's double what you're getting yeah. here. Yeah, so they're they're um they're trading about three point two five percent yield. So the return is much bigger for a government um, issued bond. So the the investment returns better there. There's obviously the U.S. China trade war, and so obvious and so because Australia deals with a lot with commodities, they're concerned that production is going to slow down for manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that's going to uh, lower commodity prices. So that's affecting certain companies on the ASX more than others. I don't think we're at a panic stage yet. No, we're not. But uh, the International Monetary Fund did say you know Australia is is hitting a peak. 
because if this trade war continues, there's going to be less demand for the commodities that we, we produce in Australia, mm-hmm. which is our main export, right? Yep. I wonder Why? which, and I don't know the answer to this, and I don't mm. know whether you would either, mm. but I wonder who buys more of our commodities. Is it the US? Mm. Because we obviously sell a lot of raw materials in terms of wool mm. and iron ore yes. and other minerals, but then you know our other exports are things like tourism and education. Yeah. So I would be really interested, maybe I'll find this out for next week, as to how much of our export dollars goes to the US mm. versus how much goes to China yeah. and to other countries. Yeah, from my understanding, I don't have the exact numbers, but I think it's China. Mm-hmm. Given the growth that China's experienced in the last 10 or, five or, 10 or so years, it seems like a lot of the, the minerals and metals that we sell do go to China for... Uh, their production, so they're expanding infrastructure. <coughs> All right, so um, that leads us into a related topic: the, the the uncertainty around the Australian market. It seems as though this is affecting a lot of our retailers in Australia. So Max Brenner recently uh, announced that they were going into voluntary administration just last week, and this week they've closed about twenty stores. The remaining seventeen are still open. So, uh, Amanda, do you want to tell us about what voluntary administration is? So, companies are put together essentially on the basis or the assumption of going concern. So, we do all their accounting and we do all the planning and we look at companies on the uh, on the basis that we think they're going to continue into the future. Now, our Corporations Act, which is the act that governs how companies are run, uh, directors' responsibilities, auditors. The whole shebang. Uh, mm-hmm. The Corporations Act, enforced by ASIC, says that directors are responsible for making sure the company is solvent. Mm. So solvent means you have enough money to pay your debts as they fall due. Now, certainly the rules are if you're a director and you trade a company while it's insolvent, so you operate a business while it's insolvent, those are some very serious grounds for charges to be put forward by ASIC. Now, if you're a company director, like a director for Max Brenner, for any other retail organization, you should be keeping an eye on your cash flow and your operations. And if you think there is the possibility that you may be insolvent or that you may be leading towards or on the path to insolvency, at that point, you should call in a voluntary administrator. And so that's that's why we use the word voluntary. So Max Brenner's management have called in the administrators... As a choice. As a choice to say, we think the company is in some financial distress. Yep. And at that point, they give up running the company, the control of running the company, and they hand that over to the administrators. Yep. The administrators are able to trade the company. Yep. So operate, run the business, but they also have the power to make decisions about what to do next. So I guess when we're thinking about companies that go into voluntary administration, the administrator looks with their professional view about, is this company viable? Will it be able to operate moving into the future? And if it is, they might need to reorganize that company somewhat or what they call recapitalize or restructure. Uh, In the US, they have a a bankruptcy protection chapter something that they file companies in where they can restructure themselves. We don't have that here in Australia. But their options are the company is fine, right? And they let it hand the company back to managers, let it go on its merry way. They might decide that the company is not viable in its current financial structure, mm-hmm. in which they will restructure and potentially recapitalize the company. If they don't think it's viable, 
then they may consider selling off parts of the company or shutting down the thing entirely. And we saw this with Toys R Us. Yep. So recently we had the loss of the Toys R Us brand, not only here in Australia, but in the US. Yep. Toys R Us still does operate in some markets in a very limited form. Yep. But the voluntary administrators decided that they tried to sell the company to someone yep. else or parts of the company, decided that that wasn't possible, and they basically liquidated the entire organization. Yeah, so that, that's interesting, right? So, And this is the director's responsibility. So if you're a yep. director, and most CEOs and CFOs end up being directors of the companies that they work at, this mm. is their personal responsibility to make sure that the company they are running remains solvent. So the administrators right now are trying to figure out what to do. Yep. When they first broke the news, it was all stores are going to remain open. Yes. Now... They're closing 17, oh sorry, they're closing 20 stores and they're trying to figure out what to do with the other 17. Now for those people who aren't uh, familiar with the Max Brenner brand, it's a Mm. chocolate, coffee, cafe type of store. Mm. It's fairly high end, it's fairly, not not super pricey, so I think um, Coco Black was quite super pricey in terms of hot chocolates, but uh, Max Brenner is still quite expensive, it's specialty. And they are an offshoot. The Australian operation is owned here in Australia, but this is originally an Israeli brand. Yep. So um, it's not an Australian brand like Gloria Jeans that we might see. The administrators now have to figure out, well, what the heck are they going to do with 17 stores? So they obviously looked at all 37 stores. Yeah. One on a case-by-case basis yep. and tried to figure out which ones are actually viable. Yep, so in terms of costs and revenues. Yeah, and and that would have been yeah, how much money are they bringing in versus mm. how much um, are they having in outlays. I, I would imagine that anything that was loss-making mm. would have been originally immediately on the close list. Yes. And anything that was just breaking even or maybe in a high-demand area you might have put on the uh, stay-open list. Yep. Nelson, what's the process when they talk about recapitalizing or restructuring? So I guess the key issue with going to administration is you're unable to pay your debts as they fall due. So so if a company has some short-term obligations that are due and they can't find the money to pay for it, um, they go into voluntary administration. So recapitalization is basically finding a source to satisfy their existing obligations. Yeah, so it's about trying to find another lender. Yeah, that's willing to pay off their current liabilities and then subsequently give them enough money to continue their operations until they can, I guess, uh, satisfy their obligations through their operational cash flow. And that could be a bank. Yeah. So it could be a bank. <laughs> it could be private capital. Yeah, they could Potentially sell out. Potentially through private equity. Yeah, they could sell out or, yeah, um, part of the, the whole business to another a larger company that can afford to, to bail mm-hmm. them out. So you saw that this with uh, Network 10 okay. when they went into voluntary administration last year. And they were subsequently bought out by uh, CBS. The American CBS. The American CBS. So te- Network 10 is now owned by an American company because they, they were simply recording losses. And it's interesting because... With a lot of these companies, you don't just go into financial distress overnight. So for those of you that are interested in investing, you can sort of see clear trends as to whether or not a company will survive. Because 
the the basic issue is they don't have enough cash to pay mm-hmm. off their current liabilities. Yep. So if you look at their basic liquidity ratios and their solvency ratios... Operating cash flow. Operating cash flow. You can see the issues. So I did analysis in one of the lectures for financial statement analysis where I looked at Network 10, compared them to the other networks, and looked at their current ratio, the quick ratio, and their debt-to-equity. And it clearly shows that, as well as profitability, and it clearly showed that Network 10, they they barely had enough current liabilities, so short-term... Sorry, sorry, they barely had enough current assets, which is short-term. They had barely any current liabilities. They had plenty of current liabilities. Plenty of current liabilities. Plenty of current liabilities, but they had more current liabilities than they had current assets, a Mm -hmm. lot more. So for every, say, dollar of liabilities you owed, so if I owed you a dollar in the next year, I only had about 70 cents as Network 10 to, to pay it off. And this, so I so. guess the, the issue with Max Brenner is this is not a public company. So with public companies, we can clearly see these trends coming. Um, you know, if you see a company that has negative operating cash flow, that's something you'd keep an eye on if yep. it was supposed to be an established brand. I think it's much harder with private companies uh, because you yes. don't get access to those financial no, pieces of information. Now, the Australian Financial Review uh, reported that in 2017, Max Brenner had a $50 million rescue package. Yes. Um, so, so they was, were in some financial distress there. before. But um, one thing I noticed when I was looking through even just general news, I think it was on news.com.au, employees were contacting news agencies and saying, we haven't been paid. We haven't received our superannuation. So they may have been paid. The pay slip says superannuation is going into the super fund that they choose. Mm -hmm. But those payments weren't actually being made. And I think my first question there is, who is supposed to be checking this? Because you have some trust in your employer. If you worked at McDonald's or you worked at Kmart or you work at the university, we trust that our employers are paying our superannuation who is making sure that happens? And I did some Googling, as always, when you have a question, Google's always your first start. And the ATO, Australian Tax Office, is meant to be the body responsible mm-hmm. for making sure employers are playing yep. superannuation. Yep. Now, my question to the ATO is, how often do they check? Mm. Um, is it only once a year? Do they randomly check different companies to make yep. sure that they're meeting their obligations? Yep. Because if you're the ATO and you find out that somebody is not paying employees their superannuation yep. or they're not paying tax, then surely you should, with inter-government department communication, flag that up with ASIC. Yes, All right. absolutely. Um because the, the big story about this is not going to be that a company goes under, but if they do decide to go, if, if they do decide to liquidate the company, it's employees. So for the yeah. employees who are owed wages and owed employee entitlements, and that could be annual leave or superannuation, mm-hmm. how do we ensure that they get paid? Yeah. Because this is the thing, and we might talk about business a lot from a big perspective, mm. but it's people that make these businesses run. And when companies go yeah. bust... It's people who are owed stuff that are affected the worst. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's definitely a, 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 a sort of a issue that we can see with these types of events. Because, you know, I guess it was the blame was put on, you know, higher costs bringing Max Brenner down. But effectively, these higher costs are meant to be paid. These are, these are salaries that we're talking about. So for companies to survive, they need to, they need to have employees you know, that are working in the company. I think one thing I saw in um, 
the news.com article was that employees were saying that they were chronically understaffed as well. Yeah. So they couldn't maintain food safety um, and other requirements that are supposed they're supposed to be maintaining by law because they were just too few staff yep. to do all of the jobs yeah. that were required. And I guess yeah. here the issue becomes, well, who can staff complain to? Like they could complain to management, yeah. but do we need some sort of pros? Do we need some sort of process within the Australian business environment that allows employees to notify authorities when something like this is starting to happen? Yes. Um, to say, and I think I read something that they're supposed to be. They were supposed to be supplying premium ice cream, and all that customers were getting was just home brand ice cream from Coles, because. The company's ability to buy from particular suppliers had been cut off because they weren't making payments. Yeah, and you know this issue isn't just related to uh, you know one particular chain. I think it was Oliver Brown that went into administration, voluntary administration earlier in the year, and then came out of it. Yep. So they restructured and refinanced. So that's another company to watch. Exactly the same business model. So yes. this is a pretty saturated market, right? You've got. Max Brenner, Oliver Brown, Lint, yep, and you did have Coco Black, which I think Coco Black, according to, um, I was talking with Dr. Victoria Clout from the University of New South Wales, and she said they've been bought out by the people that own Grilled, the burger oh, chain. Okay. So it's quite a saturated market. There's one brand that's the clear, I guess, the Australians identify with, which is Lint. Yes. And they're expanding. Um, yeah. But it's not a great time for international brands within Australia. And we know that Jamie's Italian mostly closed. I think there might be one left yeah. in Sydney. Um, Adriano Zumbo's stores that sold macarons. Yep. I can't, is it macaron? Macaroon. Macaroon. I call it macaroon, but... Is the, I think the macaron. macaroon is the coconut thing. Macaroon's a coconut and the, the macaron mo- is the thing. I think the macaron is the little puffy, is the little puffy. meringue thing, but yep. the macaroon is the, co- is the, is gotcha. the, is the coconut one. All right. And I, th- I think you can still, he still has a food product lines that he sells through supermarkets, Yeah. but yeah. the actual stores went down. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen CNN, there's definitely, there was a big story about Starbucks and why Starbucks failed in Australia. They tried rapid expansion. It didn't work. And they've complete. They tried to convert Australians to Starbucks. Yeah. And that didn't work. Well, here's the thing, right? Starbucks, they don't sell cheap coffee. No. They're, it's like. And it's five, not great either. Five, 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 yeah, it's five. If you like stuff. coffee, it's not, not where coffee. you go for a great you know, it's coffee. It's not where you go, right? And in America, that's fine. There isn't a big coffee culture. They don't have the espresso culture of, that this, we have. Yeah, the espresso culture. Whereas in Australia, you know, the influx of uh, Italians and Greeks in the mid 1990s led to this explosion in coffee. 1970s, I think. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure most Greek and Italian migration was post World War Two, even yep. pre World War Two. So you know we have a the, very rich. I think the second most highest population of Greek people outside of Greece oh, is in Australia. Did not know that. And we're and we're not a big country, so we yeah, like our coffee. Yeah, we like, we our, like coffee. our coffee. Really so, nice coffee. Yeah, yeah, we like good coffee, and you know there are a lot of of coffee chains, you know, in in Australia. So Even independence. I think we have um, a higher rate of independent coffee shops than a lot of other countries. Huge number of independents. So there, there was a, a great deal of competition that Starbucks had to deal with. So they just didn't understand the nature of, of what, a, what and Australia And they thought they'd just wanted. come in with their, their what works in the coffee, US. Yeah, and, and think that it works. Just didn't sell. And it didn't. 
Although I can say though that whenever they bring in the, the pumpkin spice latte, which is currently out, I love it. <laughs> it's the only thing I drink. I don't really drink coffee, but when there's pumpkin spice latte, I'll is have there some. actually coffee in the latte, there or is, is it just pumpkin it's, spice? It's, it's a latte with pumpkin spice. Okay, flavor. all right. I've I think I've tried this once, and I think it was just it was overly sweet, and I didn't quite like it. But yeah. uh, you know their their strategy now, the Starbucks strategy after reevaluating, is to appeal to people who are tourists. Yes. So essentially American and Chinese tourists who love Starbucks. Yeah. Because they're not trying to convert the Australian public. No. They sort I don't of think know they ever will because it's just, this market is really, really saturated. Like, and it's not just, I guess, you know, we're seeing a lot of food joints. It's fashion labels. So we've had Diana Ferrari go by the wayside. We've had Nine West go. H&M have consolidated, closed down a lot of stores, and they're mostly online now. I yeah. think you know, international fashion brands, we had a, an influx. We had H&M. Yeah. Uniqlo, what yeah. else? Zara. Zara. the first ones in. Zara's still going strong. Still I think strong. Zara is less cheap and fast fashion and more sort of higher-end pieces, I feel. Yeah, yeah. They're a bit more edgy, so you can kind of get that variety. Cause I've, uh, and Uniqlo, I think, is the other yeah, one. Yeah. I think with uh, Zara, they've been able to do quite well because they've um, they've tapped into that segment that's a bit more edgy. Whereas, mm-hmm. like... When you when it comes to like really basic fast fashion, um, you know, Big W and Target, they're sort of they're going really cheap. Yeah. So while you know, I can buy tracksuit pants for my kids for four bucks. Exactly. Can't so even why, buy the fabric to make them exactly. and the time for four bucks. Exactly. So you know that's why you wouldn't buy these basics in these stores anymore. Whereas something like Uniqlo, they're considered a bit more sort of high quality products. Mm-hmm. So that's made them. I love Uniqlo. Yeah, I love them too. They're 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 a good brand. So I think, uh, yeah. I, think I don't know whether it's because I'm Asian and I'm small and I'm like you know the Uniqlo shape. Yeah, yeah. More than maybe um, maybe Caucasian people uh, might yeah. be a, a different sort of market, but I think it's and it's really interesting at what brands are working here in the Australian market and what brands are not. So I know that Sephora was a big one. Um, mm. So that's cosmetics, and we didn't really have any cosmetic no. mega stores. Yeah. I guess you could go to Maya or you could go to David Jones with yeah. those lots of different counters. But yeah. Sephora's definitely been one that's interesting. They've done pretty well. But I think online shopping has really changed things. Yeah. I think that Australia has a is in a very unique position because it is a developed country and it should have a market comparable to the US. But one of the big downsides is it's so far away from everything, so costs are higher to get mm-hmm. them here. And uh, the Australian the Australian climate isn't... Our seasons are out of sync, really. Our seasons are out of sync. Our uh, our market isn't huge, so you can't really target as many um, customers. And especially now with the, the weaker Australian dollar, and, and it's, you can't really Makes charge sense. higher prices, yep. especially since if you're a global brand, mm. your pricing has to be consistent, otherwise customers aren't going to come to you. Mm. They'd rather go overseas and buy your product than, yep. than buy it here. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess used to that's... go to Japan. Whenever I went to Japan, I would shop mm. at Uniqlo for clothes that fit. <laughs> <laughs> because it was difficult to find clothes <laughs> that <laughs> were like, you know, short enough in the leg. That's Every single pair of pants I think I ever bought yeah. before I started shopping at Uniqlo, I always had to take the length of the pants leg up because um, I'm only five foot two and a bit. Yep. Um, which is different than the average Australian size. And I think, you know, online shopping, when we talked about, you know, people are shopping a lot more online, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon was meant to change the Australian retail landscape. 
Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it has. In the process, well, I've looked a, on Amazon to buy stuff, and it's not change. cheap, or it's well, not here's available. The here's the thing: because they recently stopped shipping from their Americans. I know you can't buy from US as, Amazon as a, here yeah, now. Yeah, because that sucks. And that's because they were they were doing this in protest to the the government imposing GST now. Ah. On, a lot of, on a lot of international sales. Mm-hmm. So, so Amazon Even then, it's still yeah. cheaper. It's still cheaper, still yes. cheaper. It's still cheaper, but now you can only buy products from their .com.au branch, which is based in Australia. And you can't buy all the brands that you can buy on American Amazon, yes. on Australian it's Amazon limited, either. right? And then obviously there are restrictions on certain brands because the pricing is different. Um, or trade agreements. All trade agreements. Oh, this is, like this is the technology thing. Right, and this is the thing that gets me, and I've I've talked with um, a number of people about this. Why we pay so much more for technology when our Australian dollar is going down and imports should be cheaper? Yep. Why we pay more than anywhere else in the world for mm. phones, and even for stuff that's digital. So if you compare the Australian prices you pay on iTunes or for Netflix. Mm compared to the US, and you can't say, oh, well, it's more to ship the product. No, you can't say that. All right, no. because it's an electronic product. Then why is it so bloody more expensive? And I know that uh, this is, if you've ever... <laughs> Ed Husick, who's one of the uh, federal members for parliament, he's in opposition, he's a Labour MP, he talks about this a lot um, mm. and in, in his old portfolio in associate with in association with technology. You know, if mm. we want to be comparable and we want to be competitive, mm. then mm. we need to make products. We need to have access to products at a reasonable cost. So, you know, retail, even within Australian retailers, if you think about West Farmers and they own Coles, which is about to be floated, so yep. they're about to float it's the Coles supermarket as its own company, yeah. as its own company yep. which it was. So Coles used to be its... Coles Meyer yep. used to be its own company and then... Coles Supermarkets went to West Farmers. Maya went to a private equity firm. I, are they spinning off all of their retail brands or just the Coles brand? I think Coles at the moment because Coles right. is obviously the, the biggest. So yeah. They're going to focus um, but they've got Officeworks. Company. They have Bunnings. Yep. They have Target. Yep. And they have Kmart. Yep. They have a lot. Um, I think they have, there's a wine, like there's an alcohol thing. Liquorland, yeah, I think it, it Liquorland, is. Liquorland, probably. But the Target part of, of the West Farmers empire is really struggling. It is. So but they're Kmart's talking about doing quite well. Though. Kmart is going. They're gangbusters. so similar. It's yet. No, no, they're, they're so different. Really? Oh, to, look, to a casual person that doesn't actually go to either of these stores, they seem pretty similar. So you've not walked. I guess you probably haven't walked into a Target or a Kmart. No, because I bought like all of my basic utensils. I bought once when I moved into my place. You never had to go ago. back. Have not needed to go back since. All right. They seem virtually the same to me. Kmart sort of feels like this middle ground between Maya David Jones Supermarket. Yeah. And cheap and cheerful Kmart, right? But Kmart is still one step above, like, the dollar shop yeah. or the reject shop. Um, and it feels like you get better value at, yes. at Kmart because things are really cheap. Yes. Um, Target has its followers. I, there are certain things I would buy from Target. Kids' clothes because their kids' clothes come with a lifetime guarantee that they're not going to stretch or fall apart at the seams, etc., etc. Wow. But... You know, there's not a lot that I would automatically think I'm going to go to Target to buy some homewares because I know that Kmart is the place that's that's on trend. Or Ikea. Ikea is a whole other... Ikea is a whole other kettle of fish that we'll talk about yeah, another that's, day. Yeah, that's a little... Yeah, but, too much to start you know, they're trying to figure out what the hell they do with the brand. And there were accounting issues at Target where they discovered that 
management were in some sort of dodgy deal with suppliers that resulted in increased bonuses to executives, even though the company or that arm of the company was in some real financial distress. So they're trying to yeah. figure out what to do. And I think probably the easiest thing would be to close down targets. I wouldn't convert all car- targets to Kmarts. No. Because you don't want oversaturation of the market. Yeah. The Kmarts known for being 24 hours. Yeah, so that everybody has kind of so, like you know, it's, it's two o'clock following. in the morning. If I need to go to Kmart while my kids are asleep, I could go to Kmart. Which I'll be honest, a little weird for me, but yeah, <laughs> why not? That that option is it's yeah, it's good. So it does have its own cult following. That that's that's meant that it's able to you know. Kmart and Aldi, right? Yeah, for, I do like I do like for homewares like and Aldi. unusual things. You know, you always go into Aldi like wanting Aldi. to buy just milk. Uh, yeah, and you come out with like a light for your fence. Yeah. It's or garden crazy. gloves or something else it's in crazy the special. They sell everything. There's like this whole section where you can, you can buy like a chair or a table mm. on top of buying your and groceries. And it's different every week. It's different so every week. So they've got people into that buy it now before you miss it because it's not coming back for another yeah. six months type of mentality. Yeah, and they'll like even particular products. There's like I remember seeing this article about this particular chair that they were oh, selling. Oh yeah, that chair. And people like lining up outside the, the Dyson store. Dyson vacuum cleaners. Dyson vacuum cleaners. So they they have this. I guess with a lot of these brands, I've noticed like it's when you get a bit of publicity, like through news articles, you t- you tend to get you know this increased mm. uh, turnover in terms of sales. So Target needs to have something awesome. Yeah, that'll get them because on the social media, <laughs> on the social, yeah. mum blogger. Um, yeah. radar because on Kmart they show up a lot whenever t- people talk about you know cheap DIY hacks how to like how to like improve your house for like the smallest amount of money yeah so it worked for them oh, yeah. alright well I think that's all we got time for this week yes but thank you everybody for listening in if you have any stories you can contact me at amanda.w.y at uts.edu.au and if you have any questions we're happy to answer them but otherwise thanks very much for listening everybody and we will see you I guess we won't see you We will chat to you next week. We'll chat to you next week, yes.